0: The other day, I had a broken light fixture up in the ceiling and uh, wasn't working properly. So I asked a friend of mine and he came over to help me fix it. Um, Correction. Uh, He came over to fix it uh, because I'm incapable of doing that. He came to replace me, not to help me fix it, all right? And he got it done. In fact, he said, oh, I see what's wrong here. And he went out to his truck and he opened some doors in his truck, and he went inside of his truck, and then he emerged with not only a tool to fix it, but also some kind of part. And I'm thinking, how, did, how do you have that stuff in, just in your truck? I mean, I think there's some kind of Star Trek like machine in there that just fabricates things on command. It's got to be, because I, I, this happened several times with this friend of mine. He's amazing. I think it's a magic trick. Um, I think... Or another possibility is I think he may have just actually arranged the whole thing with my wife just to pull a joke on me. It's like, pull this thing out of the light fixture and then we'll play a joke on Quentin. It'll be hilarious. So nevertheless, it was embarrassing because once, and once again, my incompetency around uh, mechanical things was shown up by yet another friend. Um, it's uncanny. The skills, the knowledge and the expertise he has. A month ago, we were staying at a friend's house, and uh, we opened one of uh, their kitchen cabinets. And inside the cabinets was this gigantic collection of spices. I mean, there were so many spices. I'd never seen that much a collection of spices, even at a grocery store. You know, for me, it's like, I. There are like three spices, like hot, sweet, spicy. That's about it, right? Um, But she had so many types. And she was a cook. She was just incredible at what she did. The food was delicious. All just this perfect, incredible amount of spices in her kitchen cabinet. It was crazy. Uh, Another time, I was traveling with a group of people on an international trip. And there was one woman in our group who appeared to have every item that anyone could ever possibly need, all in her small backpack. Um, She had, you know, hey, somebody have a band-aid? I've got one. And she pulled out. First aid, I've got one. Tweezers, yes. She actually had a, I'm not making this up, a schematic of each of the airports we were going to be in, their restaurant locations. Yes, I'm not kidding. Uh, She, you know, everything, she's pulling everything, golf balls, you know, defibrillators, time machines, everything she had back there. It was just amazing. And I ask you today, what do these people have that I don't have? Equipment, talent, know-how, skills, muscle, brawn, brains, good looks. I know all that. But what else do they have that I don't have? Well, what they have is what God has specifically given to them. You see, each one of them is gifted by God with a unique set of traits and experiences that come together to get specific kind of things done and specific kind of people reached. And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm calling this message, We Need All to Reach All, because it takes all of us in all of the different ways That God has wired us, created us, and the experiences we've had to complete the mission that God has given to us. So guys, what is our mission as a church? Our mission is mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. Mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. How are we going to fulfill that mission? in our day. How are we going to reach out to our community, bless our community uh, of, of, of Des Moines? How are we going to build up each other in the body of Christ to become what God has created us to be in Christ Jesus? It's going to be everybody coming together to see that happen. It means to fulfill our missions, to serve all, to love all, to bless all, and to reach out to all Kinds of people, and it's going to take all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. All peoples from all nations is the command that we have from Jesus to love people from all backgrounds, from all ethnicities, all nationalities, all socioeconomic levels, all experiences, all personalities, all our neighbors, and to love each other as Christ has loved us. So that's the mission of God, all right? To put Him first in everything and to love each other and our neighbors so that everyone can. Fulfill their God-given potential. How are we going to fulfill that mission? I want to, I want to tell you that, guys. And I, and I hope today that as you hear this, you'll have at least one or two takeaways. It was saying, this has God. how God has wired me, the situations he's put me into, the people he's put me next to, whatever it might be, unique opportunities that you have that no one else has, and you can love the people around you and fulfill the mission God has for you in a very special way. So, how are we going to do that? I'm going to give you five principles today. Uh, the first one is the mission of God takes all your energy, and I'm going to call on you to join this very supernatural and highly practical movement of God, all right? So, we come back to the book of Acts. Turn with me. We left off, uh, and we left off at the end of Acts chapter 12, where... Uh, incredible stuff is happening. People are coming to know Jesus in in amazing ways, and we have incredible stuff that God is doing. And then we come to verse 24. Herod was struck down, but then it says, the word of God spread and multiplied. So the movement of God is a movement of God. It's not a human movement. It's a supernatural movement. The word of God spread and multiplied. And then verse twenty-five. And after they had completed their relief mission, way back earlier in Acts, do you remember in Acts eleven where they sent uh, Saul or Paul and Barnabas to give uh, relief funds because of an impending famine? They took a collection to Antioch, sent it to Jerusalem. Here it says they completed their relief mission. So it's a very practical mission. It's not just supernatural. It has compassion, meeting the needs of other people. It has a very practical travel uh, is necessary here. Uh, some stamina, some grace, and some grit, right? That's what we're talking about in this series. And it says they, t- they were taking along John, who was called Mark. And uh, so it's all three of these, uh, these uh, godly followers of Jesus. Uh, and they were on a mission, And each of them had a certain mission to fulfill, and we all do in some way. I want to say to you something very, uh, I think, could be kind of earth-shaking for some of you, but let me just say it this way. The primary mission of your entire life is the mission of God. That's what it is. You were created to fulfill God's mission in this world. The church, sometimes it says the church of God has a mission, and that's true, but someone has said in some respects, it is rather that the mission of God has a church. In other words, God has set out to do something through Jesus that he wants us to carry out in this world. The mission of God has people, has a church to fulfill that, to love our neighbors, to glorify and exalt Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul said it in Titus chapter two. He said, Jesus gave his life, which we will remember in communion in just a few moments, to free us, to redeem us by the payment of uh, uh, the penalty for our sins on the cross, to redeem us from every kind of sin, set us free, to cleanse us, to purify us. That's what we'll celebrate in the Lord's table. And to make us his very own people, what kind of people totally committed to doing good deeds. That's our mission, guys. This is why Jesus died, to cleanse us, to make us his own people, to redeem us, to make us have a relationship with God, and to make us totally committed to doing good deeds, to fulfill the mission that God has on this earth. So our mission is to multiply the Word of God, among all people, the truths of God's word, the love of God, the truth of God. To love with compassion the people around us to meet the real needs, whether they're uh, very uh, financial or practical or emotional, spiritual, relational. And then to partner with other people, Saul, Barnabas, John, Mark, and others, the whole church, to show and share the love of God. That's our mission. So, first thing I'm going to say is I want to encourage you to pour all your energy, your whole self into fulfilling the mission that God has placed you on earth to love God and to love others. All right, second one, the mission of God takes all God's people to accomplish the mission. It takes everybody, and it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. Now, chapter 13, turn the page. Now, the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, so different types of people, and they name them here. There's Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, all right, and Saul. Now, let's just unpack those names real quick. These are all kinds of people because it's very much a spiritually gifted group, spiritually mature group, but also culturally very diverse um, Uh, They are socioeconomically diverse. Uh, Barnabas is a Levite from Cyprus. He labors along Simeon. He's a black man. That's his nickname. Um, He is, and then there's Lucius, who is a Roman from Cyrene in North Africa. Uh, Menaean, who apparently in his youth was actually chosen as a companion to a prince Herod Tippus. we learned about her a few weeks ago, all right? And he ministers with Saul, who's a Pharisee from Cilicia in Southeast Asia Minor, and we know his conversion story. So this is an incredible collection of humanity that comes together, uh, and it takes all kinds. And they chose them. There were these people there. And and it says, verse 2, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So they're spiritually in touch with God. The Holy Spirit says, I don't know how, but somehow conveyed that thought. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. All right? So everyone is involved in the mission of God. All those people we listed and the whole church at Antioch, they're all involved. But God's got a special mission for these two men. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid their hands on them, so the leaders of the church and, and the church gathered, they're laying hands on them, kind of commissioning and sending them out, and it says they sent them off. Note here, everybody's involved. People were into it. I mean, they were like, we need to get this done. We need to get this mission done. They were serious about being in the people business. The church is in the people business. It is in loving people, blessing people, serving people to the honor and glory of Jesus. And they were united in this. The church came together to do this. They said, yeah, go God, let's get these guys going. Um, And he directed their course. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit says God, Holy Spirit said this, God was the one who was moving them. And there had a variety of divine assignments to each one of them. Uh, All of us have a unique divine assignment. Everybody is called to fulfill that. Most of them, hear me carefully, most of them will be in the marketplace. Most of them will be in neighborhoods. Most of people in the church will not be called to serve on a church staff or be uh, an international global missionary. But everybody is called in some way to join the mission to represent Jesus in this world. Wherever you go, marketplace, neighborhood, family, whatever it might be. You with me? Okay. So, and, and here we see a list of, of five people. Did you notice the list? And it's got Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menan, Saul, or Paul. And in, normally in, in the pages of the Greek uh, New Testament, it's always listed in the order, in Greek culture, in the order of perceived importance. All right. Generally speaking. And right now, Saul's number five on the food chain. I mean, Barnabas is, is the top guy, and, and Saul's kind of the recent guy, kind of the additional person that's you know, come to know Jesus, and he's on a roll, but yeah, he's, he's, he's number five. We, we, we find out in chapter 13, this is a turning point when Saul will suddenly go from number five on the list to basically number one on the list of the rest of the book of Acts, because almost the entire rest of the book of Acts is gonna center on the ministry of the apostle Paul. There's a lesson here for all of us. Wait on the Lord. You know, God's got a mission for you. I don't know what that mission is. Uh, and sometimes we want it to happen now, uh, but even the Apostle Paul, he wasn't first in line. It took time. So just wait on the Lord, be patient. And uh, and also understand here it's, it was the calling that I'm sure that he individually felt. But look here, the church affirmed that call. It says, they prayed, fasted, and the Lord said, set apart, and then they laid their hands on him. So there was an affirmation. It wasn't just a personal call, it was, but it was also an affirmation of those leaders that sent them out. For now, Barnabas is first, Saul is last. Later, Barnabas disappears, more or less, from the story, and Paul becomes very prominent. All right, all of this says, we've all got a role to play. And here's the practical... um, application, play your position. A lot of us a friend of mine says in Bible stories, we always see ourselves as the main character, like, well, it's talking about Paul and, and Barnabas, I must be Paul, or David and Goliath, I must be David, we don't see ourselves as like part of the crowd that day or a helper over here. But sometimes that's our position on the team. That's just what we're to do. So uh, like I said, play your position. Whatever God has gifted you to do, be content with that. And also, wait on the Lord. He's going to bring opportunities to you in his perfect timing. Um, And understand this. Sometimes, I think in our minds, sometimes the church gets the idea that uh, if you're really committed to to God, then you'll be an overseas missionary. And maybe if you're not as committed that, you know, you just be a pastor or, you know, a worship leader or something. And then, you know, the rest. And that is totally false. Uh, You know, we all have a role to play. Uh, And it isn't any more deeply committed because you're a missionary or deeply committed because you're a pastor. We all have a role to play. Most of them will be in the marketplace. And frankly, they might be, in the grand scheme of things, that's where you're going to make the biggest difference in our community and around the world. So who knows? How, what God? But find that position, play that position, have the church uh, be affirming and coming around. You're good at that. You should do that. This is good. All right? Um And this is why I love Love You Des Moines Days, because in Love You Des Moines Days, everybody came together with their unique contributions and made an impact. Um, By the way, just a note if you missed out on Love You Des Moines Days or you'd like just to continue it, we've got an opportunity coming up July 3rd. It is the West Des Moines Independence Day Parade. All you have to be able to do this, if this is your position, just join a parade. Uh, Kids are involved, they'll be riding bikes. Uh, and we'll just be walking the parade representing Valley Church and saying, love you, Des Moines. It's going to be fun. If you're interested in that, I would ask you uh, to text the word parade, just the word parade, to 515-644-1022. 515-644-1022. And we will get more information to you uh, about joining the parade and representing Jesus. Maybe that's the role God wants you to play today. All right. And sometimes God does send, though, specific people to reach out to uh, other places. Uh, and by, uh, it's amazing because even in our movement, uh, we, we partner with a group called Reach Global for a lot of uh, workers who are sent into the world. 2020, the pandemic here, was an all time high for people joining up for international mission so that's exciting and I wanted to share an update about two people who were sent out by Valley Church PJ and Emily Holmertz and our uh, our director of uh, the global uh, partnerships and global mission here at Valley Church Don Long is going to
1: interview them check it out the pandemic that we've experienced have resulted in many challenges for us here in the U.S. But consider our global partners, all that they have experienced. We have an incredible group of partners who have stepped forward. They have shown creativity and the gospel of Jesus has expanded. Yet amidst this, many have gone through transitions. For example, 10 years ago, we sent PJ and Emily. They went to Kenya. Their focus was on one country. Yet you will see them around Valley Church now. And yet share with us more Have you ended your ministry or has it been expanded during this time? Yeah,
0: I mean, we're just getting going. Uh, 10 years in Kenya and 10 years in Africa has really opened so many more doors globally for us to be able to make an impact. So where we when we started, uh, we were focused on Kenya, Tanzania. Now we get to focus on Africans that are living outside of Africa, immigrants, refugees across the world. Uh, Not only that, but we are mobilizing Africans across Africa to reach out to their own people. So I'm now able to do so much of that work here from the states to be able to speak into those things, to create resources, and to just expand AIM's ministry impact globally through the work that I'm able to do right here in Des Moines.
1: Emily, how has this impacted you as far as your experience overseas having a greater heart for what God's doing in the world?
0: Well obviously we had many wonderful relationships in Kenya and opportunities there to share the gospel and that actually gets to continue um, even from here as we get to do video conversations, but then also invest in the Des Moines community uh, with different opportunities to reach out to Africans and even people from um, just all over the world who still need to hear the gospel and to just partner with Valley um, in new ways and getting to share um, the hope of Jesus. In this community and alongside people from
1: valley church we hope you're encouraged to know that that the work that god is doing is continuing all around the world we have partners in india brazil china turkey all around the world they're still experiencing difficulties but they have not stopped sharing the good news of jesus so we're very thankful that you continue to generously give pray for, and continue to, to ask God to make an incredible kingdom difference. May Jesus be glorified, and you're a part of it. They're a part of it. May you step forward and, as things open up and say, God, how might you use me to make a difference? God bless you.
0: That is fantastic, and maybe God's calling you to be involved in that particular way. If not, just put all your, yourself into it, all your energy, and all God's people involved in some way. Number three, we need all our focus to, to represent God, not ourselves. So uh, we aren't representing us. We're an, it isn't about us. It's about God. It's about Jesus. So verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. So check out this map. Okay, so they're here at Antioch, all right? Uh, and a 16-mile river boat uh, ride down to Seleucia, the port city, and they go 130 miles to Cyprus. And there they, they land at the port city of uh, Salamis, and they're eventually going to make their way all the way over, uh, maybe taking around the entire island, but eventually they end up at Paphos, okay? So, guys, um, uh, it, 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 why do they go to Cyprus? Uh, well a number of reasons. Number one, it was nearby. It was kind of, you look out across the Mediterranean Sea, and, and you know, that's the next stop. Um, uh, but Barnabas was from there, so it was just a natural. He was the leader of the team, so it's like, let's go to, back to my home place. Now, guys, there was a substantial Jewish population there on Cyprus, uh, enough that actually there was a Big rebellion about 50 years later, so the Jewish folks rebelled against their own government. So it was big enough to you know, cause quite a stir. Uh, it's probably the year 47, probably the spring, and they make their way to Cyprus. Verse 5. Arriving in Salamis, um, they proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. So they went to the Jewish synagogues, because that's their connection point. That's, Barnabas is from there. Uh, They also had John as their assistant. So let's go to Solomon for just a moment. You can still visit there. There's a large city, um, Famagusta, which is south of ancient Solomon, It's very nearby. And you can go to the ruins there and see the ancient city there. It was on the east coast. It was really a commercial business center. Okay, so that's where they stopped, the port city. And guys, when they did this, this was a major step forward in the people business. Why? Because the gospel up to this point has made its way to a few of the Jewish folks in Cyprus, but not to any Gentiles or pagans, really. And really, chapter 13, verse 1, is the beginning of what we really would call missions, what we would call international, uh, global uh, outreach. Because up to this point, people get there because they're fleeing persecution or because they happen to have been relatives there or they're traveling there. Here's the first time that people are actually identified, Barnabas and Saul, commissioned and sent out to a new location. This is the birth of it. The birth of what we often call missions or international global outreach, all right? So, so far, uh, so good. They were sent by the Holy Spirit, it says, not themselves. They didn't say, well, I think I should, no. No, they were affirmed by the church. This is what we believe God's called you to do. And they went there willingly, of course. Barnabas goes, Saul or Paul, and John Mark, who we learn in another part of the Bible, is Barnabas's cousin, all right? And, um, and he gets the name assistant here, um, which the way it's used is document handler. So he may have actually been carrying like papyrus or he may have been begun writing down, because eventually he writes the gospel of Mark, writing down Uh, The eyewitness accounts of Jesus and kind of compiling those. So that's exciting. And there they proclaimed the word of God. They represented the Lord, not themselves. They didn't show up and say, hey, we got some great new ideas we cooked up or these are my political or ethical or social issues. No, they didn't say that. They didn't say, this is the good news of Jesus. And they stayed centered, not on side things or their personal opinions, but centered on the word. And guys, ultimately, when we reach out to our neighbors, And when we love our city, ultimately, we represent the good news of Jesus. And we other issues go to the sidelines. All right, wherever you go, you're called to represent Jesus Christ wherever you go, job, neighborhood, shopping, whatever. And um, Paul says it the same way. So whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name in the character in the reputation of the Lord Jesus. Everything you do it's the mission of God in your life. In the name of Jesus, in the character of Jesus, representing Jesus. Because people need to see Jesus, the person, the spirit of Jesus, lived out in front of them. Okay, number four. The mission of God also uh, takes us into all kinds of situations, all situations. We'll have our opportunities. We're going to have our challenges. We're going to meet up with explorers and opponents. Okay, get this. Verse six. When they had traveled... The whole island as far as Paphos. So now we come to ancient Paphos, which is the west coast of the uh, island of Cyprus. I've been there. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. Uh, uh, it's the government center, though. It's the center of where uh, government happens. They travel along the su- southern coast. They skirt along the harbor where the ancient legend had it that Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty and love, emerged from the sea foam fully, uh, fully an adult uh, and uh, I think Barnabas and Saul and Mark likely avoided her temple, uh, no doubt, where uh, prostitution counted for religious devotion. They, they head towards Paphos, and they came across a sorcerer, somebody who was dabbling in the occult, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, which means son of a savior. Jesus was a very uh, common name, means saves. And so he is a false prophet, he's a sorcerer, he's dabbling in coal. So he's bringing all these weird things together, and they run into this guy. More on him in a minute. Uh, and this um, uh, Bar Jesus was with the proconsul, who's like the governor of the island, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul, and he wanted to hear the word of God. So they're going around the island, and somehow the governor hears about them, and uh, it's a big, it's a, it's 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 a big place. But he hears about them, and he says, "I, uh, I'd like to hear more about what you're saying." One note: um, we do have, just as archaeological backup, we do have inscriptions with the name Sergius Paulus and members of his family in that area. Uh, Confirming or strongly suggesting that yes, this is the, the man who was the governor there, the proconsul uh, of uh, of Cyprus at the time. Uh, he's an, an intelligent man. It notes this is a smart guy, and he's mixed up some way with this Bar Jesus sorcerer, false prophet, because people were interested in superstitious stuff too, and they, it's kind of a, just a big mix of everything. And what I learned here is, note here it says. The, this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. So it wasn't like they camped out and said, let's find out where the proconsul lives and just hang out outside his you know, headquarters and just you know, kind of you know, ambush him. And we can talk to the governor that way and share the gospel with him. No, he took the initiative. He wanted to hear from this. The lesson from this is that we, we go through open doors. We don't necessarily bust down closed doors. If God opens a door, we walk through it. Peter says it this way. He says, you must uh, worship Christ as Lord of your life, so put him first in everything. And what happens then, someone asks you about your hope as a believer. It's like, hey, I noticed this about your life, and why do you do this, and why do you believe this? When that moment comes, they're asking. Then you have a moment, always be ready to explain it. So be ready to tell about your faith, but you don't have to bust doors down. You just live a life that's so attractive that people will ask questions. And then when they ask questions, you're ready to answer them. And then he says, but always do this in a gentle and respectful way. So just to underscore that, we don't bowl people over. We don't insult them. We don't malign them. We do this in a gentle and respectful way. It is not our goal to brashly speak the gospel. It is not our goal to actually post the gospel without concern for how it will be received. If it can't be gentle and respectful, it's actually doing more harm than good oftentimes. The goal is for everybody who's interested to take that next step closer to God. Who does God have around you that you can help them take that next step closer to God? So that's Sergius Paulus, I mean, he's in the upper echelons of Roman society. He's showing interest in the word of God. He wants to hear the good news of Jesus. I mean, wow, they'd talk to a lot of people, but now this guy wants to hear it. Verse 8, but Elimus, the sorcerer, that's the meaning of his name, it's sage, wise kind of sorcerer, um, opposed them. So he's like, no, don't listen to them. They're, they're wrong, don't listen. Sergius Paulus, proconsul, and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. This guy's really interested, and this guy basically picks a fight and says, no, 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 he stands between the proconsul and the apostles, between the proconsul and the truth and the gospel. And that is when there needs to be a response. So one, I'm telling you all this stuff is that you're going to, in in just living life as a believer in Jesus, you're going to meet all kinds. You're going to meet people that are interested, explorers like Sergius Paul said, I'd like to ask you a question about that. You're going to meet people that are kind of indifferent, and you're going to meet people who are actively opposed to what you believe, who are going to try to stand between you and other people hearing the truth. So expect those. It takes grace and it takes grit because there's a spiritual tug of war that's going on in the hearts and souls of every person you meet. In you, you yourself, in your family, in your neighbors, in your coworkers, in everybody you will ever meet. And that's why we're to be, those kind of light bearers, ambassadors of good news to people. Um, people are getting yanked around in all sorts of directions, hearing crazy stuff just like they did back in this day. Sorcery, false prophets, it happens. Look what goes on. If your eyes are open and your heart is open, you will encounter all kinds of people. But this brings us to our fifth and last principle. The mission of God takes all God's power. In order to impact others far beyond our own abilities, we gotta lean into God's power, not our own. So, look what happens. It gets crake right here, guys. I'm gonna tell you right up. This is an unusual circumstance. Let's read it. But Saul, also called Paul, so now he picks up, he's had this name all along. That's his Greek name. Uh, this is his Jewish name, uh, Saul. Uh, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, God just filled him uniquely and it says, stared straight at Elimus and said, Elimas, Bar-Jesus, son of a savior. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil. An enemy of all that is right. Other than that, you're a really great guy. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord so he confronts him? He confronts him head on. Notice that Paul saw what was at stake and he did not hesitate to confront this wicked conjurer and syncretizer of some truth and that this, some truth and then a whole lot of falsehood and evil and error. He saw that the proconsul's soul was at stake in this situation and he says, you're going down, Elimus. Verse 11, now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You are going to be blind, and you will not see the sun for a time. There's going to be a stretch of time. You're not going to see that. Immediately a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Lots of things you could say about this little incident. Crazy stuff, in it? Um, note here that Paul did not pick a fight. He, he wasn't going there to take down sorcerers on Cyprus and to confront whatever non-truth was being told on Cyprus. He didn't have that mission. He was there to reach people for Jesus. However, uh, Elimus picked a fight with an apostle, and he stood between this man, and so he had to call him out. And this was, I mean, this was the beginning of the movement of God in in this way. And oftentimes you see in the book of Acts, when the mission first starts to reach new lands, there's an immediate confrontation with evil for, for satanic forces. This often happened in the book of Acts. So that's what was happening here. We're not here to take on all the sorcerers and the evil that is in the world happening around us. Paul only took on the sorcerer when he was trying to stop the proconsul from believing the good news. In other words, he didn't pick fights, but he wasn't running from it either. Um, he was willing to take a stand for the truth and to confront him. And as an apostle, he had a unique position. Um, by the way, the whole temporary blindness thing with Elimas jesus does that remind you of somebody that also went temporarily blind for a little while? Yeah. Saul, the apostle Paul. So something similar, it's a little bit different, um, but, but he's blinded. Uh, Elimas is. And also, notice how quickly the tables turn. Up to this point, Elimus Bar-Jesus is big man on proconsul campus. And now he's like a little child wandering in a shopping mall. He's like, oh, somebody help me find my way. You know, that, that, so he is absolutely taken down. That's why we need all God's power. Because we face spiritual forces in the heavenlies. Our, uh, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness in this world. Uh, And so that happens. A lot more we could say about that, but let's keep going. Verse 12, and then when he saw, that is Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, when he saw what happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Notice two things come together. He heard the teaching of the Lord, that is the truth, the good news of Jesus, but he also saw the power of God at work. He saw evil being confronted. He saw great power So what happens is he comes to know faith in Jesus. And three guys, Barney, Paul, and John Mark, cared about a politician. And we know from this passage of Scripture that there's a politician in heaven. At least one. Just kidding. Lots of them who are Jesus followers. It wasn't just what he heard the teaching. It was what Sergius Paulus saw in the power of God. This is the same pattern that Jesus had. Look in verse Matthew chapter uh, four, the Gospel of Matthew. Now Jesus began to go all over the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news. Yep, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And it says, then the news spread about him. So they brought to him all who what were interested in his teaching, hmm. wanted to hear more of his sermons. Who were afflicted in other words people have hurts and have needs and oftentimes that's the doorway uh, and when we do good works it builds will and it opens up opportunities to share the good news just like jesus uh, i want to remind you also we have an incredible uh conference coming up called good for all october 7th through 9th we got some incredible headliners uh tim tebow uh, incredible, and also John Perkins, noted uh, leader uh, in 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 preacher and in, in championing the cause of of uh, of justice in our world. But we ha- we have added a new uh, uh, main stage speaker. Her name is Catherine Wolf, and guys, you do not want to miss her uh, message. Uh, she is a survivor. She is a uh, an advocate. She she's gone through a, a tremendous amount of. Um, uh, suffering and difficulty but she's come out stronger in Christ and she has a great message it will inspire you I guarantee it so get signed up uh goodforall2021.com and we would love to have you join us all right the spirit the power of the spirit is what we need at work in us cuz we're in the people business and we need all God's power so we see the incredible impact on an individual life in uh Sergius Paulus and we see him this incredible leader actually come to know Jesus. So the whole island now gets to hear the good news of Jesus. And it just reminds us that God has given us our little world, our little island that we live on, our little sphere of influence. And we have an opportunity to reach all kinds of people. It's going to take all kinds to reach all kinds. And we get the wonderful privilege of changing the world, changing our community, changing uh, our neighborhoods, One life at a time. Why are you here today? Why are you listening to this message? Why did you join our worship gathering today? Well, ultimately, it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we come together today. And for everybody here listening and watching and being a part of this today, um, you're either uh, here because you need to step over that line and trust in Jesus Christ. You need to come to first-time faith. You need to be that Sergius Paulus in the story. You've heard a lot, you've seen a lot, and now you're ready to believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he gave his life and that, so that you could be set free, so you could be set free to live a new life, uh, excited and enthusiastic about doing good works and making a difference. Uh, cross that line of faith and trust in him today. The second group of people are for those who need to be filled up with the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we come to communion today, all of us. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you remember in in the bread, in the bread of Jesus, his body broken for us, we remember. And his blood shed for us on the cross for our sins. And, And what we're learning here is we get filled up with the word of God, we meet up with the spirit of God when his people worship together. And we were reminded of the love of God and the good news of God in the bread and in the cup. We all need to be filled up like that. So take all these things and let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for everyone who is here to hear this message. I pray that you would fill them up uh, in remarkable ways. For some of them, it's crossing that line of faith for the first time. For others, it's gonna be just being filled up with the unique um, way that you have wired them uh, to love you and to love the people around them. But now as we come to the table and we partake of the bread and we partake of the cup, we wanna be filled up with your love that you remind us once again, I loved you this much that I gave my one and only son to die in your place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us now remember that in the bread and the cup. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Amen. Right now, I invite you, when you're ready, to partake of the bread and the cup, remembering the Lord Jesus and rejoicing in his love.